All right, we are here with another episode of the Cymatic Show. Really excited because today we got Neek. How's it going, man? It's going well. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah, dude, the reason I'm pumped is we've had a lot of like interesting guests come in, a lot of people in the EDM world, but like me and Drew see how pop in the hip hop world is. And you're somebody who's like deeply in there and getting involved in mixing giant records. And, and I think you bring a lot to the table that we haven't had from a lot of other, other guests, you know? No, for sure. Uh, I'm super fortunate to be in this position, but we got a long way to go. Uh, but definitely in the starting stages of uh, kind of getting my foot in the door in that world and uh, hopefully be here for a long time. Hell you want yeah. to talk about some of your credits and just all the stuff you've done? Yeah, so most notably is uh, the Little Skies album, uh, Shelby. I did all the mixing and mastering on that album. And I also did a lettuce sandwich on the first album. Um, and then I do uh, Landon Cube's records. I just did a whole EP with him, uh, produced uh, track one. And I mixed for uh, Lil Nar as well. And a lot of other people in the in the hip hop world, pretty much anybody. But uh, for the most part, those are the main people that I would say are like my, my bigger credits at the moment. And Two uh, Four K Golden, who's an awesome awesome artist. So you have a platinum record, right? For mixing, correct. That's awesome, man. Yeah, and then I, I think I by Skies might be plat. I think it's gold, but it, it's platinum. It might be platinum. I'm not sure. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that is awesome. By the way, cool. quick, a quick, quick warning for the whole episode: the fans do get a little mad because they used to get mad at me when I swiveled. So just I forgot. Oh, to, really? <laughs> dude, they, get, they get mad at me when I swivel and I swivel back Got and it. forth. All I've the gotten time. better at it, but sometimes I'll catch myself. I'll just yeah, be like, yeah. I oh, forgot to tell you. That's why I saw you swiveling. I was like, oh, I better say something. You, you, before you, you can't have swivel chairs. You, you got to get. I know. Chairs. We need some solid chairs, yeah, or at least <laughs> yeah. like lock them in a little bit. So yeah, you really got, you, for sure. <laughs> yeah, because people just rock the whole day, you know. Yeah, no, I'm sitting. Yeah, I feel it. No, cool. So, dude, just out of curiosity, man. And so, so you came in from like, you know, being that mixing engineer angle, which I think has allowed you to, to play in a lane that I would say is not as competitive. Would you say that as like kind of like the producing, trying to make beats and get placements? No, that's a really good point. It, you're right. It's not that competitive, mainly because there are a lot more producers than there are engineers. And I always feel like having an engineer is like having a barber. So like if you have that one dude that cut your hair like perfect, like you just stay with him. Like you don't just keep going around. Produ uh, producing is a little different because everybody has a different sound, makes different beats. Um, but with, en with engineering, it's like people swear by their engineers and, and a lot of times it's their sound. So if you just get in with an artist, for the most part, they're, they're going to get beats from different producers, but they're going to keep sending the, uh, the vocals to you to mix them. It feels like it's way less like replicatable. Like it's a very, like once you have a good guy, it seems like you want to stick with him for life almost. For sure. For sure, and every engineer definitely has a sound, has a way to go about it. And the people at the top are, are really good at uh, taking a sound that an engineer has and just fixing it a little bit to make it work for a more, more universal output. But yeah, for the most part, a lot of artists have their own engineer. So they, so they mostly just stick with one person all the time. Like Lil Skies is only going to use you basically at this point and for the most part. Uh, yeah, for the most part, if they're doing, if they're doing stuff like on their own recording and, and it's like a, unless like the label gets involved and they want to pay someone like a Manny American or a Jason Joshua to mix it. I mean, by all means, like those guys are really, really good at what they do. So no hard feelings. Um, but a lot of times it's just knowing that you have that go-to guy, uh, that can get a song done quick, get it out, get it sounding right. Mm -hmm. Um, that's something that is really valuable to an artist. And like I said, if they have a song where they're like, yo, we might want to try to get this other dude to work on it, by all means, that's totally cool. Whichever like, makes the best product yeah. uh, possible. So, so what led you down this path? Like, what, what was your backstory looking like to lead you down to being a mixing engineer? So uh, in like eighth grade, I started a band. 
and played in a rock band and we just covered like Weezer and Green Day all the time and then like made our own songs and then as every aspiring like band they want to cut a demo so we started by uh, recording our band with a, a Logitech microphone into a PC microphone input on a ceiling fan and we would just jam out and record <laughs> and we recorded into audacity we thought it was like the dopest thing ever it sounded i mean it garbage. feels like that at the time yeah the first time you like <laughs> lay that down you're like wow this is amazing and then we kind of like just got like obsessed with like how can we make this better shout out to my friend john mcfarland he's uh he was the drummer at the time he still to this day does music production but he and i really got into this uh and like trying to figure it out we figured out like oh we can get like logic pro and then like, we got some plugins. We're like, yo, this is, like, crazy. And then we start, like, next thing you know, like, the drums start to sound really good. We started messing with, uh, like, drum triggers, which was really big in, like, the Warped Tour post-hardcore scene mm-hmm. where bands, like, the drummer, like, the kick and the snare would be triggers, you know what I mean? But, like, mm-hmm. they'd still play it. And then they get quantized. So we'd, like, mess with that. Um, and then kind of throughout high school, we were just making songs and was doing it for about, like, four years where we were, like, Recording through Logic into a Firewire interface into a Mac, uh, putting like using all Wave plugins. And so when I went to college, uh, the band kind of fell apart, unfortunately. Rest in peace. Uh, <laughs> and then it was just really hip hop and singers it, it, in school. Like everybody wanted to be a, a rapper or a singer. So I was like one of the only people that really had like a mic set up and was willing to just record people because I really enjoyed it. I like I was obsessed with like why does my stuff not sound like the stuff on the radio? Mm-hmm. And then when, whenever I get really close, you'd have like that one song that sounded really good. You'd be like, I'm getting somewhere here, like I'm bringing value in some sort. Uh, and then by, towards the end of my college career, I was just working with so many people and doing stuff online for people to where like, I knew I didn't want to have a job in finance. Like that's what I was in school for. And I, I knew I was like really passionate about this stuff to a point where I was like studying audio engineering and, and mixing more than I was like finance. More than I was like studying anything. I was like actually reading plugin manuals. And uh, yeah, I just got really obsessed with it. And then I got it to a point where I was making money online and just like running sessions out of my attic in my Mm -hmm. house in college. And then from there, I was like going to LA. I think that's one of the best things you can do is just read plugin manuals. Like I learned so much shit from that, man. People ask me so many questions in my DMs every day that would be answered in one second if they just open the plugin manual and press command F and find it. For sure. I Super highly easy. recommend it, especially if you're using a plugin and you see something on that plugin that you don't know what it is, but you just like to hear how it sounds. That's great. But just know if you go into the manual, it will probably tell you exactly what that is. That's uh, that's a huge tip, man. I think everybody needs to do that. I, I would I would guess that most people that watch this are not reading their plugin especially manuals. some of them are well written like super super, super well, like, well written yeah. yeah and super easy to understand like very like simple terms for anybody and a lot of times they're cracking jokes in them which is cool yeah dude the, the isotope dither one does that a lot because they're like trying to keep people interested in dithering which is like the most boring topic of that all time <laughs> i read I, it I and it was like 40 pages and it was just like the most boring thing but they were just cracking jokes the whole time that is so funny uh, <laughs> yeah it's, it's funny that before i was just never i always watch video and stuff and yeah it was actually there was no good videos for like NPC training, you know, like the, yeah, the yeah, NPC. Yeah. And then I looked in the manual and it was like super easily written. I was even thinking like we should do some more shit like along those lines, you know I'm, what I'm, I'm saying? I'm thank you. Uh, just because the, the, I don't know, it's just, it's a different way to learn, you know, it sticks in your brain in a different fashion. Yeah, f- for sure. And it's something you can always go back to. It's right there. Like you don't have to go to YouTube, find the video. It's like in every plugin, just hit the little question mark at the top and it will pull up the manual. Yeah. And whether you're reading the manual or watching YouTube videos, whatever you need to 
actually go do the shit right after you read it. Like, not yeah. just, like, think, like, oh, I just read that. I know how to do it. Like, you got to practice it, like, ten times. Like, keep the manual up while mm-hmm. you do exactly. it. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. For sure. So, um, while we're on this topic, you want to talk about, like, plugins, favorite plugins? You can start with just favorite compressors. Favorite compressors. Uh, start out easy. The soft tube, tube tech compressor. It's, like, 300 bucks for one plugin, which is kind of hard to swallow, but... Uh, it's a great sounding compressor. It's a great sounding piece of hardware. Is that the CL1B? Yep. Yeah, I just ordered that one, the hardware. Yeah. I'm so excited. Oh, it's it's great. <laughs> yeah, Reed, Reed recommended me. Good yeah, one. it's it's my favorite piece of hardware. Um, I have yet to own one, but I'll, I'll get one soon. Um, that I, I like. Now, I'm just going to put our compressor in there. I'm not going to say it's like my favorite sounding compressor, but I mm-hmm. use it so much. And like I said before, um, it's just a humble, modest compressor. It's not like determining the sound of your song. It's just compressing and, and something quick, easy to use. So I'll throw that in there. And then finally, uh, I'll put a, a, a tie between Arvox and the uh, Slate Digital Distressor plugin. I just got the UAD one, so I haven't really dove into that one, but I really like the Slate one a lot. I love that it has the mix knob, so even if I just want to use a little bit of it, I can. Um, and then Arvox is just a cheat code. In my opinion, it just brings vocals up like mm-hmm. right in your face, right where they need to be. It feels really good. And then a uh, the first runner-up, uh, Audio Track. Audio Track is a Waves plugin that is a combination of the C1 compressor and like a Q4. But the preset classic compressor is a great starting plugin on your track. If you just put Audio Track, it's like the second preset. Um, let's go over to classic compressor. It will make your microphone sound <laughs> so much better than what it did before. <coughs> And it's a great like starting point. Like if you're in a session and they want their stuff to sound good, throw that on there. And it's it's good instead of like CLA vocals or nothing against those plugins, but they use a lot of processing and it's like a sound. This one's just like a clean, full compression sound that I, I swear by. I actually keep it on my tracking track. So when I'm tracking vocals, I run it through audio track. It doesn't get printed, um, mm-hmm. but it's just good for monitoring because like yeah. I said, it makes his mic sound really good. That's what, awesome. What, what, Go ahead. I do, what's some tips when you're having, a, let's say, a low end that's not hitting right? Like, what do you do to bring that out in a track? So there, there's a, a lot of things you can do. Um, are you talking about the beat, like the vocals, or everything together? Uh, or really... Probably the beat more yeah. than anything. Okay, well, well, with the beat, one thing... Uh, one is, that, like, I feel like I'm saying the same things, but it's really leveling. Like, you really have to level your stuff right. Start with the low end, start with the drums, bring everything in after that. Bring in your vocals. And another thing, too, is when you have a lot of low end, if you have a big, heavy, thick vocal, just know you're taking away from the big, heavy thickness of the beat as well, mm-hmm. especially if that vocal's on top. Because if that vocal's on top, then it's just going to be on top of that kick and 808 and everything. So there's a huge balance game between leveling out the beat properly. So when you pull those vocals in, they're in the beat. They're like in the song, not necessarily like vocal beat. It's more like the vocal and then the beat surrounds the vocal. Mm-hmm. And to do that, it's just really properly EQing your vocal don't go in there and start cutting all your lows because you want your kick to hit harder. Find where your kick is hitting um, and try to attack that part of the vocal um, before you just start moving things, filtering everything, messing with your 808. You can get pretty far and go pretty, a pretty long way just by properly, uh, properly leveling and finessing the, the low frequencies of the, the instruments and the vocals that are taking up the low end. So what's the first thing you do uh, when somebody sends you a song to mix? Like, very first thing, you open it up. You got First thing I do, I, I listen to the reference track. Okay. Like, that's really important because, like I said on the workshop that we did, it, it's like uh, 
you don't want to send them back something that is completely different than what they've been jamming out to. And anybody who's made music, even me, when I send my stuff to get, like if I produce a song Mm -hmm. and I send it to get mixed, I'm always like the one with the most notes because I'm like, yo, not only do I know like kind of what they did, but I know what's different, specifically what's different. And I'm like, yo, the guitars are too bright. Like, like I don't want them that bright. But like in the engineer's eyes, they might think like, I'm going to brighten up these guitars. Mm-hmm. But like really listen to the reference mix. The first thing you do, hear how they have it. Um, and then I'll start with the beat. I'll attack the beat. Getting the, uh, I'll actually turn all the audio down like negative 6 to negative 8 dB just to give myself that headroom because a lot of times that stuff comes in like hitting at zero for the mm-hmm. most part. So just turn all that stuff down. Um, and just know like when mastering and stuff, you're going to have that headroom ready to go. So yeah, I'll start with the low end, the 808 and kick, bring in the rest of the drums and then bring in the instruments. I don't go too crazy with the instruments until I start going in on the vocal. And then I'll play with the instruments a little bit to see how they feel with the vocal. Um, but yeah, and then from there, once the leveling's good, it's kind of just, uh, like I said, shade the color, how you want to shade it. That's awesome, man. Um, so you want to talk more about some plugins. What about like EQ plugins that you go to, you find yourself constantly using? For sure. Uh, the SSL channel mm-hmm. is definitely a huge one. Uh, I love the fact that you can't really see the EQ. You just, you just have to hear it. Uh, it's got a great high shelf, and it's got a great uh, low shelf as well. Sounds really good. Um, and the, the compressor on it, it's a compressor. It's in the top right. Um, I only use it to kind of glue together the EQ adjustments mm-hmm. that I make within the plugin. I don't use it as like my full-time compressor and I do it very lightly. Uh, on top of that, REQ has one of the best high shelves in my opinion, which is a Waves plugin. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, I, if I would use that plugin for anything, I would just use it for the high shelf. I don't know what it is, but it sounds really good. And then of course, you got to put FabFilter in there. The Q3, uh, the multiband EQ that they came out with. Mm-hmm. One, the shortcuts on that EQ are really amazing to where you don't have to click any drop-down menus or switch it to bell or shelf, like double-clicking at the far left or kind of to the left. Like you already, It's already there, ready to go for you. And then on top of that, having it be a multi-band uh, EQ, which simply means that it, it reduces or adds frequencies as they happen. Um, you don't have to make really dramatic EQ adjustments. Mm-hmm. You can be like, all right, I kind of like I kind of like the fullness of the vocal, but I don't want to take out all that mid range, even mm-hmm. though like at some points it's boxy. Uh, just put in that dynamic EQ. It's a dynamic EQ, not a multi band EQ. Yeah, yeah. Put in the dynamic EQ, so when it gets a little boxy, it corrects it, and you keep moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that. I, I like I've been that using it constantly. Yeah. Uh, how yeah. do uh, how do you approach like painting when it comes to a mix? Because you were talking about certain things you like to experiment with painting. Yeah. Um, like what, what would you do in a mix to maybe make it stick out a little bit using panning? Yeah, so uh, main drum sounds, hi-hat, kick, snare, bass, keep in the middle, and then all the extras like the percussions, wood blocks, shakers, stuff like that. That stuff's like ear candy to put left and right. Um, and then with uh, instruments, I always try to have like, if you, do, if you do something on the right, try to have something that makes up for it on the left. Um, within, if, if you just have one guitar loop, I might just uh, throw like an imager on it, like an S1 imager, just to spread it out a little bit. Um, and a lot of times, like you, you'll you'll see you have like three instruments. So it's like you want to pan two, and then you have like one left. Or like try spreading one, and then panning the other two, like going left and right with the guitars, and then maybe that piano just spreading it to where it separates it a little bit, but you still have an even balance with your panning because you don't want to have too much happening in one ear and not enough in the other. How do you approach leveling, like uh, with drums versus instruments versus vocals? Uh, so 
for me, like with hip hop, uh, hip hop, the like, drums are really important. And, mm -hmm. and drums, like a lot of times, a lot of times with, with, uh, with drums, the melody, you can have the melody turned down like a lot and people will, will think it knocks. So <laughs> yeah. like, it, it's, it's like, I definitely put the drums kick a little louder. Mm -hmm. uh, I start with the, the 808 and kick, like just fight that battle right out the gate. And then uh, snare, hi-hat. And then like snare, kick are, are pretty close to the same level. Mm -hmm. 808, depending on the type of 808 it is, if it's a subby 808, if it's a punchy 88, 808, um, it's probably going to be a little lower than my kick, uh, but that could change. But for the most part, I keep the kick up pretty pretty high. And then uh, for the instruments, that's more, it's like drums with the vocal and then the instruments kind of like the under, no, I wouldn't say completely under, but mm -hmm. it's not as loud as the drums and vocals, I would say. I think that's a lot of people's issue is they try to, they want like they want everybody to hear that little small detail that they tried to add, and they try to boost it like crazy. For sure, no, definitely, definitely don't don't mix to impress producers or engineers. Mix for the the audience. That's huge advice. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so many people do that, and they overproduce the fuck out of their songs. Even with production, same thing. Like for me, like I try not to have like a ton of tracks when I'm producing. I try not to just do a ton of stuff because it's cool. Uh, yeah, and, like producers will like it. It's it's really like whatever fits like the image I'm trying to capture, mm -hmm. the, the mood you're trying to capture. Don't don't overdo it. Dude, you should see EDM fucking project. These these kids doing eat like the And they EDM. almost they, they take pride on it. It's so funny. Mm -hmm. They just take pride on like having so many layers, but their mix is muddy as fuck. Most yeah. of the time. overall feeling of the song isn't there, but yet they're spending two hours on a on a riser. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, yo, I reversed it, then I flipped it, then I did this and I did yeah, that. But like the main <laughs> I put it upside down. Yeah. That's the thing I like about hip hop is is that you know, it's so simple. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think it, that simple music, I mean, it's crushing it right now. It, you know it translates very well. It, it's not overwhelming, it's not intimidating. And it, it's something that a lot of times it, it's either a simple beat that makes you feel something or it's a it could be a little bit more complex beat but with like more simple lyrics. Mm -hmm. To where like the lyrics don't really matter that much, it's just a really cool groovy beat. Um, but there's, there's a lot of different things to take away, a lot of different approaches with hip-hop, especially now. Like, things just are changing so much with the whole melodic hip-hop and the way people are going about music. It's melodies really taking over um, compared to, like, what hip-hop used to be. Not even saying I was a huge hip-hop head, but, like, coming into it at the time that I came into it, like, I'm more familiar with melodic rap than anything, like, and, like, spinning bars and all that kind of stuff. So it's cool to see how people go about it with making beats because... When you have melodic rap, the beats have to be kind of simple because you can't have fighting melodies throughout. So even when I'm producing a beat, I, I really don't like having like a lead synth that's going like doo 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 or something like that mm -hmm. because then it kind of limits the artist on the melody that they can write. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important to kind of make a, a vibe, make make something that people can feel and let the artist like really paint the picture with the melody. I really like that advice. Um, this is a little bit of a random question, um, but how do you like to treat your room so you don't have a ton of background noise when you're recording? Or not just treat your room, like what do you do to avoid background noise? So I cannot say that I have a properly treated room, but I can say that I know my room very well mm -hmm. and I know my speakers. Um, but that is something that took a lot of time. Now for recording, I actually had a vocal booth like built because mm -hmm. I, we're at, we're, I'm in like, a, it's in my house, but it's a renovated garage and the ceilings are really high. Mm -hmm. So you, you really can't, like, record unless you're going for a sound of having high ceilings. Mm -hmm. but you can treat it, don't get me wrong, but it was just so, such a big task to where I, I was just like, I'm just going to get a, a vocal booth made. Mm -hmm. So I had a vocal booth made, and it works really well. It's 
way bigger than I expected. Like it's, it's, it's actually a little too big. Like I don't know how I'm going to get it out. It took us like four people to put it together. I mean, dude, Drew's the same shit. Yeah. Really? But, but mine, mine comes apart pretty easily though. So I think mine does too, but I messed up because I put it on wheels. <laughs> but the wheels, they, they lock. But like now there's like a, a gap from like the bottom of it to the wheel. So like when I pull a panel off, it doesn't just pull off to the floor. It like pulls off and falls oh, a little God. bit. And they're like 200 pound walls. Oh. They're like insulation, rock sole, whatever it is. Yeah, that's but, crazy. but yeah, the the um, I had people build panels for my studio, mm-hmm. but when the booth came in, it, it all got messed up because it was so big, and I had to rearrange everything. So mm-hmm. the way my panels were built had to get like kind of had to just put it off to the side. It so, still works though. So at home, what could somebody do that can't afford a booth or bedroom studio? Yeah. Oh yeah, no. So I mean, one if you have a bed in there, great. That's already a huge sound panel, um, closet. And, and just, I, I would say, main, try to get some foam above the desk. Uh, like, so when you're mixing, you, you have something taking that, the, the top. So what you're hearing is not bouncing off the top. Um, there's a, a great YouTube series that they stopped doing a long time ago. You may have seen it, but it was like Studio Rescue with Rode microphones. I haven't seen that. They're like seven, eight years old. And this, it's a YouTube series where this guy would go and like... Pretty much, it was like extreme home makeover, but for bedroom it's like studios. like bar rescue. Exactly. <laughs> he, he would like go in and like Acoustica would come and sponsor and like hook him up with all like the panels. And he would show you how to set up your panels with like a mirror against the wall till it like lines up with your speaker cone. Just a lot of like really cool tips. Um, so I learned a lot from that. But yeah, just get as much foam up as you can. Uh, you don't have to go super OD. You want some life in your in your in the room, um, but try to cover up the the sides. Get it above you. And if you're recording, I recommend uh, getting a halo re- reflection filter because a lot of the other ones are like complete BS. Or doing a makeshift vocal booth like in a closet or near near your closet, maybe around a corner or something. But one thing to notice too, when you're recording, this is why like a lot of reflection filters are BS, is because microphones don't record from the back. It records everything from the front. So try to have stuff on your sides mm-hmm. more than behind you. And I think that's a lot of, uh, one thing a lot of people get like misunderstood is they see a lot of these like filters and portable vocal booths, but at the same time, they're like covering everything but the part that is actually getting recorded, and that's the front of the microphone. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So try to be a little bit more wary. I mean, dude, a closet with some blankets on the, nailed up on the walls can go a long way. It goes a long way. <laughs> I did that I for went, like, years. I, went, I did that for years as well. Dude, by the way, you said that. Instantly in my head, I'm like, dude, that's a genius idea for a segment, Drew. How funny would that be? Go make over somebody's studio? That'd be like, awesome. That would be, be fun. And just, like, yeah, and just like do, do like a sponsorship up, almost, mm-hmm. like show up 2000 bucks, house? just fix it up. That'd be such a cool pe- We go there if I can help somebody out. That'd be, we got to do that. That'd be awesome. I'd love to see that. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah, That'd we'll, be dope. we'll do that You soon. said that. I was like, fuck, this is the greatest idea. I'm so mad they stopped doing them. Because yeah. That was my favorite thing to sit down and watch because you give them like a mic and a new desk. It's kind of entertaining. It's almost satisfying in a weird way. It's, re- it's, it's awesome. That's why those shows are so popular because it's a weird satisfaction to watching improvement. Yeah, you know yeah. yeah, definitely. Yep. Studio um, Rescue featuring Steven and Drew. <laughs> this is kind of a funny question. Um, have you ever had like a nightmare studio session? You don't have to say names, but like any situations where you felt so uncomfortable, you're like, I might have to leave here. Yes. <laughs> I've had two. I've oh. had two, but I, I'll tell you the first one. So I was using Logic Pro like my entire time in college, like just mm-hmm. a boss in Logic Pro, flying through it. When I moved to LA, I kind of like, 
thought most studios would use Logic Pro as well as mm -hmm. Pro Tools. Like I knew what Pro, Pro Tools was, but uh, the first studio I went to, and my friend Anthony Russo, he's, a, he's an amazing pop artist. It was with him, and uh, we had a producer come in, like pretty legit producer. And like not only could they not like, it was my first time. Let me just say that my first time in a real studio. Mm -hmm. Like I was, everything was bedroom set up for me until I moved to LA. So my friend. He's, like, in with some bigger, like, industry people. He wants me to come help him. I'm excited. He, like, introduces me as, like, the engineer for the <laughs> session. And they don't have Logic, so can't even, like, pull up Logic. Very, like, very little Pro Tools knowledge. But on top of that, nothing was turned on. The mic wasn't turned on. I, I didn't know, like, oh, like, where's the interface? And there's so much more to that in a big studio than yeah. just like making sure the mic's plugged into the interface. There's like a patch bay and yeah. all this kind of like the mic was in a completely different room. There was like these interfaces in a closet down the hall. And I'm on the phone with the engineer, the real engineer of the studio. And he's like, all right, I want you to go to patch bay, go to blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what the fuck is a patch bay? I, I don't <laughs> even know this stuff. And it took me probably like an hour and a half. I was shaking. My friend Damn. even saw, I even said something. He was like, Bro, I could tell you were nervous. I'm like, dude, this was like the worst experience ever <laughs> because not only was it my first session, but I was kind of intimidated by this like producer. Like the producer had a manager. I, I didn't even know that was like a thing. I was like, wow, <laughs> producers have managers? So like his manager's <laughs> in there. Like they're just sitting there like waiting for the engineer to like get everything running. And oh, I really couldn't. <laughs> yeah, I, God or so somebody, some higher power must have came in and like it worked. Oh, it worked? Yeah, it actually, what happened was Logic ended up working, but not like, we didn't have like any plugins or something. So it was just a very dummy session where we were just like, mm. put the beat in and just recorded vocals, but didn't really go in on it. But it was embarrassing. It really was, so. Damn. What about, what about any ones where the artist is just a crazy ass motherfucker or something? I, I tend to be pretty decent about uh, having sessions with people that I want to have sessions with. Yeah, I um, understand. Like, when I was in college, a little bit more, mm -hmm. like, I would even have, there would people be like selling drugs out of the session, like, <laughs> oh, like with like guns and shit. Really? Yeah. Like that was kind of strange, but. Uh, <laughs> kind of strange. Jesus. Um, but yeah, for, for the most part, I, I, I don't really, I really don't do sessions with like random people. Mm -hmm. Even if they're like a, a bigger artist, uh, I try to have some sort of connection to them or, or know what they're about. If I really don't know who they are or what they're like. Um, I normally pass on a, a lot of those sessions. Yeah, that's probably good advice sounds in like, general. Sounds like me and Drew think about that with the fucking podcast. Get somebody in here yeah. that sketches fuck. We're like, all right, yeah. it's a little much, you know what I'm saying? All right, uh, you want to kind of go into how you met Skies and how other people could go about like starting to connect with a bigger or artist or growing with a upcoming artist. For sure. Uh, the first time I met Skies is when he pulled up to my studio in uh, West Virginia. And he was laying a feature for my homie Connor. Uh, we became like acquaintances, uh, but not anything like crazy. We weren't really like, working together, but I knew that he was like another artist that lived like a couple hours from where I was staying. Uh, he made really good music at the time. So pretty much a year goes by. That was when I moved to LA after school. And then about two months in, uh, Nick Jandora, who's current, my current roommate right now, was actually staying with me in North Hollywood. And I had like a makeshift studio in a garage. Skies' uh, song Rude started going up and then he dropped Red Roses and that really started going up out of nowhere. So like, uh, I think APG like flew him out to LA. He was out there just kind of like kicking it and Nick was like, yo, pull up to Neeks. And I think he like, cause he remembered like meeting me the one time. So he pulled up, 
we chopped it up. We ended up run, like running a session after he like did some label meetings and whatnot. And we just kept in touch, and he just started recording it. When he would go back home and record, he would just send me all of his stuff, and we'd build a, a relationship up through that. Like One of the songs he sent me was Lettuce Sandwich, which actually made it on that first album. And then uh, from there on out, I've done every song since the first album. That's fucking awesome, man. And by the way, for uh, anybody who's interested, we have The Magic Workshop, which is one of my favorite songs by Little Skies. I love that song. Yeah. Real and, Ties is probably And the my workshop favorite. is like, I mean, you're going to get all the sauce. So yeah. if you want to yeah. learn some There are no secrets here. Dude, are no <laughs> honestly, man, I'm, I'm almost more excited to find more mixing engineers, even like... Like, uh, producers are great, too, obviously, but, like, dude, just, I think hearing that side of it, I mean, I get a ton to. out of it, too, man. Like, Dope. Like, yeah. every time somebody comes in town, I learn so much. Like, read you, anybody like that. No, I appreciate it. It, it, it is. It's a different way to look about it, uh, look look at it, too, especially for me. Now that I'm producing a lot, I'm, I'm probably, like, 50-50 with producing an engineer right now. Um, but I just, I feel like I look at production a lot different just because I spent, like, the past six, seven years focused on mixing mm -hmm. to where, like, now... When I'm making beats, pretty much what I know is you need good sounds. Mm -hmm. That's like the biggest thing. Like after being a mix engineer for this long, I know that there is like mixing is not really the secret to having good sounding beats. It's really good sounding sounds to having good sounding. You beats. know what's funny? Every single guest that comes in here has that exact same answer. Everybody. I know, but it's so true. No, it's good. I mean, <laughs> I, know, I think like, I think the audience should like think for a second. Yeah, you know what I'm it'd saying? be weird if I came in here like I can make a kick sound amazing, like because <laughs> I'm just gonna mix it. Like nah. It, it's getting amazing. I mean, you can do that, but do you want to do that? Yes. No. Is this Ex the time worth it? For me, speed is everything, especially when you're creating. You don't want to drag out the creative process. Yeah. Like, all right, here's a, here's a kick, so let me spend the time to try to make it sound like a good kick. You don't want that, because then you're going to start doing it with everything. Here's a snare. Let me make it sound like a good snare. Just find the stuff that you like. You kind of lose sounds. the vibe, too. You lose like, the vibe. I, yeah. I am very, like, ADD. There'll be a time where I'm just, like, super in it, and then I hit, like, one little wall, and I'm done. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. nah, I, I'm, I'm off this. Like, I don't even like how this sounds anymore. So, yeah, I try yeah. to, like, expedite my process a lot through, like, templates and record it. Like, having, like, a, a favorite folder. Because if I have a kick that I know sounds good, uh, I'll, like, put it in there, and, like, it sounds good. But maybe later on, when I, like, finish up, I may go in and try a different kick or try mm -hmm. a different snare. But just to get the ball rolling, like, I normally have the quick snare, quick kick that I like. Very, like, generic-sounding clap that works for everything. Mm -hmm. And then once you get, like, the main thing done, you can go in and have a little bit more fun with your sound choice. Definitely. Um, you want to talk about how you make money in the music industry? Because I know it's not just, like, you're mixing for huge artists and getting placements and stuff. Yes. I mean, it really, it all started, like, I was able to move to California just through having, like, an online clientele of mixing. So I, I was just mixing for, I was mixing for just a lot of artists, um, through YouTube and SoundCloud, and I would just DM them mm -hmm. or reach out to them on Instagram and offer to mix a song for free. And then even to this day, I still mix for a lot of those people. And that's kind of like my foundation income. And then now it started like as that. And then when I moved to L.A., I was, had that like my online mixing, started doing sessions with artists in like my makeshift studio. So I was getting money from that. Um, and then once I started doing that, I started working with Skies and Landon, they were signed to record labels, so I was getting paid to, I was just getting paid a bigger fee to mix records mm -hmm. through a record label. So now I was doing the sessions, the mixing fees, and then like my own clientele. Mm -hmm. uh, and then pretty much dropped doing sessions with people because that doesn't, it's like you pay like 30, 40 bucks an hour. Mm -hmm. um, I, and I wasn't really enjoying it that much, and I was able to kind of like focus more on 
the bigger mix projects that I had, spend more time on those, and then it's like my clients as well. And then when I started producing, then you get like the production advance, you get the uh, points on records, and then on top of that, like if a lot of the records I produce, I mix too, so I'll get the mixing fee and the production fee, the production advance for it too. So currently right now, it's just a mix between uh, label mixes, uh, beats for people, and a little bit of like my clientele that is still willing to pay what I charge. When you first uh, were getting your name out there and you're getting these clients online, how are you getting your name online? Um, one was just working with uh, people. Let me, let me try to think here. Because it actually started in college. Like, I had like a couple homies. My one homie uh, is Arizona Zervis who just had that uh, song. Roxanne. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, my freshman year of college, he drove from Maryland. That's to, crazy. That's, man. That's actually, a funny we, random connection. It is. <laughs> but he's, like, one of my best friends in this whole thing. We actually drove across country to move to L.A. Like, we, were, we stayed mm -hmm. in a house together in North Hollywood for the first year. So... This all everything that's happening for him is amazing, dude. It, fucking TikTok, TikTok bro. made that shit explode. TikTok. He went I number one on Spotify, man. Do you know how hard that is I, for an independent like artist? On Billboard right now. That's too. crazy. Yeah, man. Are, are that's you, so uh, hard to do. Are you on TikTok? I am on TikTok. Oh, dude, that song's fucking everywhere, man. It is on. It is, but I'm not actively. I'm just kind of like a, a ghost because I mean, dude, yeah. it's fun, man. Yeah. It <laughs> is fun, and there's just some like really cool stuff. I was like, yeah, yeah. that was cool. I yeah. get exposed to a lot of stuff that I normally want to see, like random pottery or something that I didn't know I'm interested in. And I yeah. see it, I'm like, wow, this is cool as fuck. I'm going to save this. No, exactly. But uh, back to the – so Arizona, my homie mm -hmm. Connor, who was going by Sea Trucks at the time. Um, but those guys really got me excited because they were, like, really driven to get their music placed in, like, bigger YouTube channels and stuff like that. And I realized once they were, like, doing that, they were translating it to Spotify before people really even, like, got into Spotify and playlists or whatnot – so like they're getting like legit numbers, like 100K on a song. I'm like, yo, what we're doing is like actually meaning something. So I was trying to find like other people in that scene to like, yo, let me mix for you. Let me do this, blah, blah, blah. And through that, through me like mixing, it was like having them like have a connection for like a feature, stuff like that. So we're building like our own little network and whatnot. Um, yeah, it, it all just kind of started coming together. And the biggest thing, like I said, having those, those bigger YouTube channels uh, the Spotify, even like SoundCloud reposts and whatnot, that kind of made made me feel like what I was doing was important mm -hmm. because it was like I'm helping these guys like get their music on a bigger scale and like it just sounds better than a lot of the other stuff that's going on mm -hmm. because like when I really started getting into mixing, there there's not a lot of engineers now. There was not a lot of engineers then either, like way less than there are now probably. So yeah, I mean it was just a matter of feeling that, having, having that value, and, and really just seeing the growth of these other people and then starting to kind of find people in the same area and capitalize on that. Dude, it's very refreshing to hear a story of a mixing engineer, man. Yeah. Just because it's so different. You know what I'm saying? I think it's such a smart angle even for a lot of producers to think more about mixing because, like, dude, you are not fighting the same wave at all. It's like no. not just mixing. It could be anything that's not just trying to be a beat maker or touring EDM artist. I mean, is so fucking yeah, like hard. dude, the, like dude, the connections you have and like the angle you're taking. I'm like, this is smart. And that's you're getting, I'm sure what I'm you're thinking. getting placements from your mixing connections too. Oh right? yeah, no, so, for sure. And so that's how you're getting in the door in the first place. If you want to get like, it's dude, like you us, think we could go if we really wanted to get placements or do whatever like that, but. No, it's definitely through the relationships mm -hmm. that I've built with artists. And it wasn't even when I like decided to start like producing, I, I didn't go to like all the people that I've mixed for and been like, hey, I'm a producer now. Like, so I want you to start messing with my beats. It was like, 
I kind of just told myself I wanted to start producing. I would start making beats, and like I would like they would ask me to play some stuff for them. I'd play some stuff like, "Yo, this is tight," and like I would send it to them, or like we'd be in a session and they would just be like, "Yo, do you have any of your beats that you've made or like worked on?" I'd play them some, and they'd be like, "Oh, like, let me do this one," and it's super organic, not like forced, because my whole thing was like, I, I, these guys like they met they. They really fuck with me because I mix them, and I'm not gonna try to change that or take advantage of like our relationship by being like, hey, not only can I mix it, but like, I can make the beats too. Mm-hmm. It's, it's more like if you need beats, I'm here, mm-hmm. and that's all it is. And I, like I, I really like to try to get credits with other people, like people that don't know me as an engineer, like they think I'm just a producer. Uh, just hit it from all angles, really. I feel like uh, almost everything that I've seen online is people say, get it in the mixing engineer's hands. Don't try to go straight to the artist, get it to the mixing engineer, and then they'll play the beats for the artist. Like, if you have those relationships, it's so much easier. Yeah, yes and no. But, because I get a lot of beats mm-hmm. sent to me, just random emails. But it, your buddies, I'm sure you're going to... Oh, yeah, so but but my bu- a lot of my buddies are the ones that are previously approved by the artist. Oh, that's true. So, like, I'm really tied with bass one. And I wouldn't be that tight with Base One, but all I know is that Skies really fucks with Base One's beats. Mm-hmm. So when like Base One would start sending me stuff, or like I'd reach out to him and be like, "Yo, like, because I'd be working on these songs, I'm hearing the beats, I'm like, I hear why he likes them. They're really good beats, and you want to have a, a valuable network of really good, talented people." Dude, so, and, and we were talking about just being cool and hanging out, man. Like, dude, that's like word of mouth. So when Reed told us about you, we were because Reed's experience and us, like our connection with Reed now was instantly. And I didn't even we, think. Yeah, I'm like, we know that you're a cool dope. dude instantly. You know, yeah. it's so <laughs> yeah. it's important, man. You like, gotta, like when we first talked on the phone, I didn't even think twice. I was like, bro, let's get you out here. You know what I'm fine. saying? That's super but, fine. But that, that's why I think that a lot of people like honestly need to think about how they act online sometimes, yeah. how you act in person. Definitely like, don't talk sure. shit in comments. Don't talk shit in comments. Do, don't, don't, I have a rule. Don't get mad or sad on the internet. Like, that's just, like, the biggest thing for it's me. So it's, like, when you get angry, it's just bad energy. Don't, don't put out bad opinions because at the same time, like, a lot of people that hate are, are hating on something that's, like, putting food on the table for somebody else. Yeah. And to me, that is just the worst karma in the world. Show mm-hmm. love on the internet. Be kind. Like, that is the easiest place to do it. That's the greatest thing about the internet. It's the easiest place to show love. But unfortunately, it's also the easiest place to show hate. But the, the love goes so much further, and, and it's so easy just to show love and repost or support your homies. It, it's a great place to be if you really know how to use it and filter out all the people that, are, that don't understand, don't really get it, because yeah. that, that stuff's really hard to, to see. And it makes me really sad, because I, I know it does affect a lot of people seeing just, like, bad vibes, mm-hmm. especially artists they are very sensitive, like, to what they, what they do, and they, they love something, and... They really love it, and to have one person be like, this shit is garbage. I mean, dude, you're putting your heart in that shit. Yeah, and it's just people are just, like, tear it apart. And honestly, just to make themselves feel better most of the time, which is just pretty pathetic. And, and a lot of people take pride in having an opinion. Mm-hmm. And that's great, but unfortunately, in the music world, no opinion is fact for the most part. It's all subjective. Everybody likes what they like. Mm-hmm. So you need to find the beauty in everything. It's, or if you don't like it, just don't comment. Yeah, or don't comment. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it, it's so easy. Dude, you'll, you'll be so much more successful. If anybody's watching this, less pessimistic. Dude, you're gonna, your chances of being successful, I think, get hacked in half. Yeah. You're like an asshole or a dick. You know? uh, and and it, I, I say, we say that, and then people try to point out the one person who might be a successful dick. And I'm like, yeah. well, that's, that's the whole point. You're doing it right now, <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> no, and you just look so dumb when like, you say something's garbage, and then it blows up. And yeah. then it's like, 
So wait, you said it was trash. And then and then usually people's thing is to double down on that opinion. Oh, like, yeah. No, it is. It is trash. It just it just did or, because of whatever. Dude, or if you got a lot of followers, so you get positive clout, obviously, from saying some shit. I'm yeah. like, that doesn't make you cool only because you got your fucking followers. To yeah, like and, and it, if you ever want a career in like the music industry, that's not how you're gonna get dude, it. Dude, everybody is no friends, one wants bro. a critic. Dude, I'm to a hire a critic. It's the smallest circle of people, man. You yep. fuck over one person, that mm-hmm. shit is spreading around to like almost everybody. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, like I said, you want to work with people that you enjoy being around, people that are good people, and you just you ha- you can't have people that are bad vibes, bring a negative energy, have have opinions that they they feel are are true. It's just a, it's just a hard environment to be in, and I think all the people that are here for a long time that are going to be here for a very long time are completely aware of how important it is to keep a keep a, a positive outlook on on. All just different aspects and I all mean, different takes. It can work for a little bit, like Takashi, but I mean, look at him now. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> I mean, <laughs> people will bring him up as an example. I'm like, dude, he's facing yeah. fucking life, bro. Yeah, no, that. <clears throat> I mean, he he made really good songs. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but I, I, it's not, that I, energy not that you put out there, man, it was just Came nonstop. Back like, I think yeah, he's a great artist, but dude, he was just putting back out bad energy, beef with that's people. A, that's exactly what it was. It was and, just bad energy, um, and it'll come yeah. back to get you. And Do you, you know, want to real, take an intermission well, real quick? Well, well, first off, I want to tell you guys, we asked for it, and the blizzard of the, the fucking wintertime is here. This cold plus that has been Oh, right. yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's so cold. cold. We thought it was hot. Even, like, no, it feels great. All right, I was like, bro, I'm like, my fingertips are frozen right now. And we are live. Okay. Back um, from our intermission. So we're gonna we're gonna start this off. Nick wanted us to do an official AirPods Pro review. You wanna go first with your Okay, I'm gonna say I use them a fuck ton. If I see anybody wearing the regular AirPods now, I'd definitely make fun of them. I gotta grab mine. I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, so so I'm gonna tell you right now they're super they're super uh, noise canceling. Like way more than what I was expecting. Like you put them in and all of a sudden Feels like the room disappears. It's so weird. It feels like you get this. It feels like you get suction on yeah. your eardrums, but that's not what it is. It's just the noise canceling turning on, and I mean, it's literally like, I mean, dude, it, it's better than. Dude. Do you, you like them better than your uh, both. Oh, you right? both got so them. I, oh, yeah. yeah, we both hey, got. We both them. Them. I got. <laughs> I got them the day they came out. Yeah. <laughs> so so straight up, these uh, I am advocate because I work every morning at Starbucks every single morning for the past five years. So I've always had noise canceling headphones, which is game changer. These are better than my Bose, like Dude, almost four hundred. Almost four hundred dollar noise canceling headphones. I kid you not. These AirPods Pros are better. And, dude, the amount of work you can get done, because quickly, because for me, I'm in calls all day, dude. Like, me and Drew are talking. We got to talk to people on our team. To switch between that, noise canceling, and just having something good to listen to music on and shit, it's like, when I'm working-wise, they're fucking amazing. And they're easy. You just pull them out of your fucking foot, like, you know? No, I, uh, because I I had the AirPods, the 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 old ones. Yeah, the broke pods. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, For some reason, my left one stopped working, and then, like, they wouldn't connect to my phone anymore. But I went back. I have these $20 pair of wireless Bluetooth headphones that I've got on Amazon, and I swear by them. Like, I love them. Like, I, am, <laughs> like, I put in my AirPods, and I'm just like, nah, like, I want to use the other ones because they kind of go around your ear, and they just have an obnoxious amount of, like, bass in them. Um, I've even, like, put on my Instagram before, like, yo, these are the best $20 headphones ever. They connect. <laughs> the battery is, like, endless. I don't know if the battery ever dies. I mean, usually the small Bluetooth speakers, they'll go forever. On, Bro, on it is, it is awesome. And uh, I really like them for the gym, too, because they don't fall out. Because I, I go extremely hard in the gym. <laughs> no, I'm but, yeah, I, I've been thinking about getting the, the new ones, mainly because they have the, 
uh, silicon mm-hmm. like tip. And they have like three different sizes too. Cool. Yeah, my dad had trouble wearing the main one, and I just told him about the tips, and he changed. He said, "Oh, they're perfect." Oh, so, yeah. Because yeah. a lot of people complained about that with the original. I've actually read before that there's no way to make a universal tip for ears because every single ear is completely different. Oh, is so that, like that makes a lot sense. of like I can't wear earbud headphones. Like, just like the circle ones, you know what I mean? No matter how big they are, they always fall out. Like, I can't keep them in. Mm. And, like, either they'll, they'll stay in, but they'll definitely come out to where, like, the base is gone. So, yeah. I, but I can kind of do the AirPods. It's straight. But the ones that I have now uh, wrap around the ear, so it's all good. That's probably weird to think about how some, another human being hears. Because if your ear hole is technically different, wouldn't it be to enter your ear in a different way? And then, yeah. And then also everybody has, like, different frequency range on their hearing. I've definitely lost some from my my early years of for sure music. it's also weird when you do like music production how you hear and how like your hearing evolves not only like physically but like mentally Detail. like you choose what to hear and like you can i wish i could turn it off yeah i wish i could turn because it kind of ruins music a lot of the time the closest yeah. thing i can do is just smoke a ton of weed yeah. <laughs> sure. straight up but uh, even for me like i have a really hard time like just recreationally listen listening mm-hmm. to hip-hop music because like i work on it every single day to where i just dissect it not in like a ego way where like oh this could be better, but it's like oh interesting how they mix that, and then like just don't even listen to the song. I'm just like listening mm-hmm. to like the effects or like listening to the compression on the lead, and it's just weird. That's why like when I when I like jam out, I try to listen to stuff that's not what really what I work on. I can't just sit there and listen to like the average hip hop without doing that. There's certain artists where I can go outside of it, but then like most people, I'm just like. All I can hear is just the fucking kicks, 808s. It's yeah. The kicks slightly clipping. I'm like, oh. I, I will say that there definitely are some people too where I kind of can bypass it as well. But at, at the same time, it's all like the mood I'm in as well. Most of the time, I'm like in a work mode or like working on something. So it's kind of like yeah. what I hear for the most part. But if I'm out and about, I, I can me, catch myself it has falling to be into like, it. It has to be stuff that's intentionally not mixed perfectly to me to a certain yeah. extent. So like Lil Where, Peep, it really helps because. He has a lot of stuff that's not like the vocals aren't meant to be necessarily perfectly foreground. They're really Hell background yeah. and ambient. Definitely. It helps me turn it off a little bit. Some people like that, dude, and then like you said, other genres. Dude, me and Drew also have that like super hardcore, like with just any good idea. So like, imagine like I kid you not, me and Drew walk into a fucking restaurant, and you can pick out good ideas oh. out of everything. So even seeing like on your that phone, gets miserable on YouTube, sometimes. you cannot t- any kind Gosh, of content or like thing you're consuming. Imagine not being able to like turn it off in a certain sense about like an idea that connects back to some yeah. so, some trippy shit. It's it's good. It's good sometimes, but no, dude, it drives I, me nuts. Sometimes. It's good though. You get good ideas. Like the other day, I bought those computers, and instantly my brain just formed together this giveaway. I was like, oh, this would look cool. Like this, this, or this, and like just thinking about how like one thing connects to another. That's that's amazing. Yeah, I find that's it really hard cool. to turn off in general. Do you? Oh yeah, for sure. Just like you can't, I can't turn off my brain. And then because I love music so much, in my off hours, I'm listening to music too. So it's like. Where, when does it end? Yeah, basically? no, I, I find myself going down crazy YouTube rabbit holes in my off hours, mainly because I'm just like at my desk, and a lot of times like I don't leave my desk, uh-huh. so I'll just like go on YouTube and watch like mountain biking videos, <laughs> <laughs> which looks dope. Like I really want to. Well, go some weird. Biking. You need to do that to a certain yeah. extent, or you're just gonna be fucking stuck in music. I got like a, a VR headset, <gasps> like an you, Oculus. Dude, we we yeah, go on Oculus, I have, bro. I, have, I own three Oculus. You yeah, got the what zombie games? Which one? Uh. I, I got zomb- that game, but yeah, yeah, I got that game, but I haven't. By played. the way, Drops there's, it. there's a legit ping pong game on Oculus. So I, I have that game. It's yeah. pretty crazy. <laughs> it's pretty. Once good, you get man. good at it, you're like, yo, this is like really legit. I know, and you can play online multiplayer. I'm pretty. Dude, sure. I'm really good at Beat Saber. I don't know what that is. I'll do beat sabers. You have two lightsabers, and the notes, like the music's DDR coming at you. It's like DDR. You slice a note. Oh, so it's nice. Not, and you yeah. like you're slicing it's like cool, this, man. 
But I can play. Do you have like the big Oculus or the Oculus Go? Because I have to go. Oh, so I have the Rift, and then oh. and then I bought the uh, the you Rift S. The, the Rift S, yeah. Yeah, and the Rift S, you only need like three plugins. Like it's not a I bunch of shit like Quest, it used to be. And I have uh, the original Rift, but the Quest is awesome because it's like fully functional, except you can literally play it anywhere. Like it's like the Rift, except it has all the games and stuff, or not all the games, but most of the games. But it just uh, it's completely wireless, and it's just the headset. You don't need a computer, nice. which is fucking awesome. But it's still you can play games, so very tight. Yeah, uh, I mean, dude, I, I definitely struggle with turning that. You shit ever played off, uh, Brass Tactics? Nah. Dude, that's like a strategy game. It's really... It's like... You ever played like uh, Age of Empires back in the day or some shit like that? I, I play, have played very little games oh. in my life. Guitar Hero I loved. Oh, Guitar, Guitar Hero? Guitar Hero is what, probably why I'm here today. Do they no have joke. any kind of Bro, Guitar you need Hero? Bro, no, you need to play Beat Saber. It's the same thing. It's a music... It's music like... I, mean, yeah, I love it. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm very good at Guitar Hero. Yeah, you would probably like this then. It's like, it's like a mix of Guitar Hero and a little bit of physical like yeah. DDR. I played nice. play so much Guitar Hero, man. Guitar Hero uh, 3 back in the day. Amazing. I, I, yeah, Guitar Hero 2, 3, because 2 had the, like, the X guitars. I, I, forget, I, I forget what they're called, but then 3 had the Les Paul guitar. And then I think Guitar Hero 4 or 5 was the full band. But I love it because the drums on the Guitar Hero, the drum set on mm-hmm. that was way better than Rock Band. Because those actually like mm. bounced. I, I didn't even know. Yeah, th- those drums were dope, and then that's pretty much what made me want to be in a band. That's <laughs> fucking. That started the whole dude. Thing. That's that's hilarious. <laughs> My like... brother and I would play that all the time. We even <laughs> bought we bought the double bass pedal because we listened to a lot of like Warped to our bands like growing up, mm-hmm. and a lot of them like like double bass. So you could buy a second bass pedal for like rock band and guitar hero. Mm-hmm. So like some of the Metallica songs, like my brothers be going crazy, like double bass in it. I'm sitting there riffing it out. <laughs> I wonder how many people started production and uh, so many careers because I of mean, that. the first time I recorded vocals was, was, was with a rock band mic, like the USB, <laughs> it was a USB mic. That's so, hilarious. So we, we would use that. It, it worked. It was tight. I might have to get one of those just for, for like some lo-fi vocals or something. Uh, especially now, like with the way, like a lot of people think so much differently. It's like, yeah, record that into a rock band. Like, and, and right now, using your iPhone microphone is like a big thing in production. Yeah, man. A lot of people choose to use the iPhone mic, which like you would think, like it sounds like garbage, but I mean, if you put it in the right spot and you have a good distance to it, it has a cool, like tinny, like cheap sound. And I think, I mean, there's so many plugins out there that are designed to make things sound worse, mm-hmm. like a little cheaper. So, like, sometimes, like, an acoustic guitar sounds really cool in an iPhone mic because it has this weird, like, tinny sound. And when you put in, like, that 808 that's, like, not really there to begin with on the guitar end, the 808 just cut the, and the guitar just sits right up there. It's pretty cool. I, I might actually play with the Rock Band mic again just to see, <laughs> just see what's good. Speaking of which, uh, what's your favorite plugins for making shit sound bad on purpose? Uh, g- good question. So obviously you have RC Color, which is like every producer's mm-hmm. favorite thing. Throw some distortion, wobble. Um, the isotope vinyl is really dope. Uh, Decapitator, Sound Toys, I like a lot. The Devilock Deluxe plugin, I like a lot. Um, I really like the darkness. It has like a darkness knob that kind of just like lo-fi, like dims it a mm-hmm. little bit because it's a really intense like compressor. I think when it's all said yeah. and done, just like compress it so much it distorts. Um, and it has that darkness and mix knob to kind of make up for it. So I, I really like that. And then here's like another one, the Slate Digital. They just dropped like uh, like a Kilo Hearts thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's like these new mini plugins. Well, yeah, really those cool. are yeah, that's Kilo Hearts plugins. Yes, like they but sell they're like those part their, of yeah, yeah, they're part of their bundle. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they have a thing called Faturator, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. It's like it looks like a little old TV. Dude, that thing's awesome. That thing's man. pretty tight. That's yeah, I like that. And there. then I actually made like ten of my own multi-pass free uh, presets. 
Do you have, did, have you played with the multi-pass? I've very minimally played with it. It's but super it's awesome, overwhelming. Man. It's awesome. It's extremely... If, for people that don't know what it is, you're pretty much able to put compression on 200 to 1K hertz and have like a frequency shifter on all the frequencies outside of that. You can just manipulate everything based on like the frequency range that it's in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty wild. Play with the presets. But I went ahead and made some of my own like quick... Uh, make a, a MIDI sound a little cooler preset yeah, type I, thing with like reverb, distortion. I need to go in stuff. and do that with multipass. It's so good, man. It is. It is really good. And I highly recommend it. Be- one, another thing I like it too, like no one uses it. Like everybody uses RC color. I'm at a point where I can almost hear RC color. Mm-hmm. Like on a sample, like yeah, they threw RC color on that. I can hear the wobble. I can hear the noise. Uh, but with multipass, people don't know it yet. Have you f- tried faceplant yet? No. By the same company, it's it, so faceplant. Yeah, it's a it's a plugin called faceplant. It's kind of like a super advanced serum, but you can use multipass. I'm pretty sure you can use multipass in there now, but you can use all those individual plugins in the in the that plugin really itself. So, but it's like a super super powerful synth. Like That's it's super fucking dope. crazy, man. It's really good. It's super dope. Um, you want to talk about maybe like your favorite mastering plugins because we haven't touched on mastering too much in general. Yeah, and let me go ahead and say this first. I by no means am a mastering engineer. Mastering engineers are very important, uh, along with uh, recording engineers. Didn't you master Lil Scott's album? Though? I do, but I am not a mastering engineer. <laughs> so you, you did master a, I did. a pretty I did. big but, album. But I have to put respect to mastering engineers yeah. because that is a completely different art. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I play it really safe. I, I, just, get the, I just get to hit hard, get it loud, um, to a point where no one's going to really know the difference. But yeah, so for my mastering chain, I love the the uh, F, FGX mastering console by Slate. Mm-hmm. The maximizer on that's great. Brings up the levels, adds a nice little punch. Uh, and then I, I like the T-Rex plugins a lot. Uh, there's a super loud preset on the T-Rex. Uh, it's like a it's kind of like Isotope where it has like multiple plugins in one plugin. Mm-hmm. I think it's like the Deluxe is what it's called. Uh, they have a really nice. The Brickwall Limiter is really dope. Uh, the preset Advanced Three, Advanced Four, and Clip are really big sounding limiters uh, for the brick wall limiter. So play with those. Those are really dope. Um, and L2 is cool. And also the Oxford plugins. I don't know if you've ever got a chance to play with those. Like the Oxford inflator. They, yeah. they have like UID versions, but yeah, I don't yeah, yeah. them too much. I, I, the Oxford limiter is really cool. I'm still learning it because there's like an auto gain setting. And whenever you turn auto gain off, it's way sounds like louder, but I think it's like better to keep it on. So I'm still learning that, but I, I, I like how it sounds. I really like how their compressor sounds, uh, but I can't put it up there with my favorite yet because I'm still learning it. So it's going to take some time. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, Mastering it. Like I really try not to overkill it. Like be, there's just so much that can go wrong, especially with like the punchiness of the rough mix. Uh, super important to AB everything. And make sure you're not taken away. And, and also, I use the PAZ meters for, like, my metering. Mm-hmm. And I meter with RMS, which is dated, and I honestly don't really recommend it. Uh, what, it's, like, Luffs is, like, the more with mm-hmm. the streaming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I just know this plugin a lot, and it's hard for me to move away because, like, my stuff's been hitting really hard, and I know, like, how this plugin looks and feels. And it's really simple. Uh, but I always try to get it to around negative 8 RMS, and that's when I know I'm kind of in a, in a good spot, like mm-hmm. loudness-wise. The reason I wanted to bring up mastering is because a lot of people think that that's like the solution to their shit mix. Mm. And I want you to make sure Everybody know. says that. So get They're like, comments. how do I master my songs? They sound so bad. And I'm like, bro, it's not your yeah, it's it's definitely, not mastering. 
It is. It is not your mastering at all. And if you want to like really check, I mean, a lot of times they're like, it sounds bad because it's not loud. Uh, just put a, a plug-in on your master that makes it as loud as everything, and then you can just hear how bad the mix really the mm -hmm. mix really is. Mm -hmm. It's like fix the mix and and don't think like oh it's like quiet doesn't really sound that good right now because it's not mastered. That's not what mastering is. Uh, <laughs> it's so, like a racing stripe. Yeah, yeah, that's the way I see it. It's not like a it's not like building the car. It's like that yeah. final fucking yeah. sauce that you put on it. For sure. I, I, I got a question. So, you know, let's say a producer wants to go in this direction. What's one thing they could work on every single day to build their skills, maybe as a mixing engineer? Um, training your ears and, and knowing what to listen for. Um, it's it's kind of complicated, but don't be afraid to, like, take an EQ and pull the frequencies up and just really listen to how those frequencies sound the frequency sounds to a point where you can kind of know your plan of attack without even touching anything. Um, like knowing, don't be like, oh, like there's too many highs. Like try to like think, is there really too many highs or is it really just like one piercing thing that's happening? Try to like train, like know what to listen for um, and start minimal. Start very, like, like start with just your leveling, your panning, a little bit of EQ, some filters. Um, and then once you get good at that, you can get your stuff sounding really good you can get a little bit more creative artistically uh once you're, you have that slight foundation like that slight education of the basics down um but yeah just ear training and really just trying to find like going back to the the good sounds like if you really want to like, practice every day practice finding good sounds and practice like what sounds sound good with different instruments what kick sounds good with an 808 um all that stuff can be really beneficial yeah, I think that's awesome advice for people to hear. Hell yeah. Um, so I know I just keep bringing up plugins, but I mean. I, I, I love plugins. I, I know. I know you do. Uh, it's, I'm, uh, wait. I'm asking personally, so I learned about the Yeah, plugins. no, and, and if it, it's probably, they're probably not going to see this now, but this is like the best time to buy plugins. So everybody's talking plugins right oh, now. Yeah, because yeah. like Black Friday, Cyber Monday, I, I've already gone off and, and got a lot of stuff I didn't have before. Um, you want to talk about reverb plugins? I know you yeah, love the Manny I, Verb. I, you want to talk about that? Manny Verb is, Manny Verb is great. Uh, it's a really dramatic, big, quick reverb uh, with a lot of effects built into it. And same with the Manny Delay, which is probably my favorite delay plugin, mainly because it has a doubler phaser reverb and distortion built into it with a built-in high pass and low pass EQ. Um, Manny Verb is dope. Our Verb is dope. I like Valhalla Room a lot. And I've been playing with the Oxford Reverb as well, which... For some reason, like, I can't find a pre-delay knob, and I have yet to read the manual to see if that's just, like, automatically set to the tempo. <laughs> because, like, to me, it's, like, the, the pre-delay and decay time are, like, the biggest things with reverb. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I, I don't even know if there was, like, decay time on it. It's just, like, sizing stuff. So I need to learn that. But that is one thing to know, too, with your reverb. And here's, like, a little reverb trick. Uh, when you're dialing in your reverb, you're trying to find your pre-delay, you can go on, online and go to a, a, pre, a delay calculator that will tell you what to put your pre-delay at. Or what I like to do now is make my decay time really quick, like 0.2 seconds or 0.2 microseconds, whatever mm -hmm. it is, and then play with the pre-delay. And at that point, it just sounds like a quick slap delay. Mm -hmm. So you can really hear where it feels best by moving it up and down. Because a lot of times when you put stuff right on, like right on the tempo, it just sounds a little like not that natural or a little too fixed. And you can add like a little swag or a little swing to your mm -hmm. pre-delay by just seeing where it hits in that pocket. So have a very short decay time, short reverb time, and then to start playing with that pre-delay time to see like how that slap 
hits on the reverb. That's yeah. a super subtle thing to say. <laughs> what? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> that's no, a, interesting. That's a, having, having a little bit of swing on your pre-delay. Yeah. Super, that's a oh, super that's, subtle. It's a rabbit hole. It <laughs> never ends. So like how much deeper you can go. Okay, with speaking of that, how do you, how do you, uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but how do you call a mix done and like how do you stop yourself from going down that rabbit hole for hours and hours? Yeah, so main, the biggest thing is, is this a better version of the reference mix? And not like better as in like everything sounds like way cooler than it did before. It is just like, does this capture what they were going for, but just put it in, in a better light, like dress it up a little bit nicer. Um, you really want to get to that point and, and you just don't want to digress. Uh, even if you think the reference mix doesn't sound that good, um, if, you, if your beat's not hitting as hard, it's not as good as the reference. Like that's how a lot of artists see it. Um, you might think like, oh, but my vocals sound way better than the reference mix. But did you really ABA? Because like when you hear it out here in the car, like that reference mix is still hitting a little harder, even though the vocals don't sound that great. Like it's still louder, still more punch. So for me, like I will go down a rabbit hole um, sometimes, but for the most part, once I get it to a point that I'm, I'm like, all right, this is a better version of that reference mix, I'll uh -huh. save as, and then if I want to play with it some more, I will, but I always know I have that same copy uh -huh. of uh, what I thought was good, good to go. Because what? yeah, you can go on forever and try to get it better than what it was before. Yeah, what's the most common thing you see like, uh, I guess more newbie producers or amateur like rappers and singers send you? Like, what are you seeing, like, problems with the mix-wise that they should probably fix before you They're turning the hands. beats up way too loud. Like, the beat in the project is turned up, like, plus 60, uh, 60 B. So on top of that, they're compensating by turning up their track on the DAW, like, plus 12. And everything's just really loud and distorting, honestly. And that's one thing that's, like, hard for me to battle because, um, like, a lot of times uh, it's, it's a game where, like, yeah, like, yours is louder than what this is, but mine's not distorting. Like, this is distorting. And you, like, once streaming gets a hold of that, it's gonna be even worse. Like, it's gonna like duck and it's not gonna be very friendly. Um, so one of the biggest mistakes is people recording to a beat that is too loud or trying to turn up the gain of their microphone to be as loud or keep up with the loudness of the beat. The solution is turn the beat down. Just turn your beat down. Like when you put your beat into a project, start by turning it down negative eight, negative six dB. That way you're not playing with this whole volume game of like, oh, the vocals still aren't loud enough. Because then you're gonna find yourself adding gain on your compressor just because you want your vocal to be louder. Or like playing with the EQ, like boosting those highs just a little bit more because it makes it seem a little bit louder. You don't wanna mix for volume. Like you really wanna mix for dynamics and what feels good. And you really kind of shoot yourself in the foot by starting a project or making a song to a beat that's hitting like right at zero right out the gate. Definitely give yourself that headroom right in the beginning. I think people make that same mistake with like kicks and snares. They're like, I can't get my kicks and snares uh, to hit. I'm like, dude, just turn down the rest of the shit. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> that's the easiest turn... way to do it. And if it's distorting, then turn down everything and then turn down the rest of the shit and leave yeah. the kick in 808. You can always add loudness after. That's not that hard these days, man. It's not. It Especially really Especially with all these plugins. Like, dude, there's so many plugins you can add loudness with if that's Definitely. what you're going for. Um, you want to talk about like your, okay, so basic, basic vocal chain. You're, yeah. imagine you're just like somebody who's never even recorded vocals or makes vocals or anything and you want to start just recording your vocals at home. What's a basic vocal chain you can use to get it going? One, uh, audio compression, EQ, compression, DS. And like that is very basic, trying to keep it like pretty simple. I like to start with compression just to kind of level out the audio. I'm not saying like this is going to be the sound of the record. This is just like 
to make up for the volume variation in the performance. So it's a very like simple, maybe two to four to one ratio, um, compressing it negative three to negative five dB, a very humble, maybe a little a semi-fast uh, release and a, a medium attack, and three or four dB of, of gain, uh, if, of gain at, adding gain. And then uh, EQ, cut out your lows, do a, do a low, low cut or high pass, and uh, maybe a little high shelf to bring out the top end, a little uh, cut in the mid-range around that four to 600, 500 range, and then compress that, and then DS wherever you hear an S and a T, and you'll be in a pretty good spot at that point. Don't overthink it, and, and for me, I try not to make my sound solely dependent on one plugin. Like if I turn this plugin off, the entire vocal sounds different. I, mm -hmm. I try not to have that. Mm -hmm. I try everything to be a building block. Yeah, step yeah. by step by step. And that's why I said like in the workshop that we did, like my first, like when I dial in my first like two or three plugins, I try not to mess with them after that. Because what you have to understand, it, it, it all falls in order. So if you mess with that first plugin, then everything reacts differently mm -hmm. going down your chain. So it's important to get your vocals sounding really good with just this first, with the compressor and EQ, maybe another compressor. And then from there, you can kind of have some fun. But for the most part, yeah, just start, start simple, start clean. Uh, and, and once you know, once you understand is when you get to take the risk and when you get to really mm -hmm. kind of craft a sound. Yeah. I'm gonna, gonna, real quick, Steven, you can continue after yeah. that. I'm just going to give this quick plug, uh, Decap, which I'm sure a lot of people know him for his drum packs on Splice and stuff. Uh, he recommended me this DSer called Air Windows DS, and it's completely free. Most dolls don't have one, so um, yeah, if anybody needs one. A Air Windows? Yeah, it's called Air Windows, one word is the company, and they just have apparently, he swears this, D he uses it instead of like FabFilter DS or any of the other DSers. I've actually been using the Isotope one lately. I really like it. The And, and rx7 but um i'm i'm in kind of shopping around for a new one no that's yeah. dope one thing with dsing uh that i want to put out there is uh don't don't really think of the dser as like a fixer plugin mm -hmm. like it's really like a lot of times i try to mix stuff to a point where i have a nice balance of fullness and brightness to where neither is really dominant over mm -hmm. each other and the dsing is really literally just to get like the s's and the t's and if you turn it off, it's really not going to make or break that mix at all. Uh, so don't be too dependent on DSers, but I will check that one out. Reed yeah. swears that it, he just uh, loves to cut the S's and just lower the volume because he says that's what it does anyways, and he swears that's, like, the, the number way to win. I'm, I'm sure that is, but that sounds pretty tedious. Yeah. Oh, he's, <laughs> he's down to do that type yeah. of shit. You know yeah. him, man. I know, he definitely is. <laughs> he's down to go in and do that for shit. A, for a puppet, he's really meticulous. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, are yeah. you going to say, Steven? Yeah, so I got a question, man. So, like, you're at a point now, I mean, being a part of, you know, giant records, you know what I'm saying? What Has there been a moment where you're like, fuck, I've, I've made it? Or, like, a no. moment where it's, like, surreal. You're like, I can't believe this is happening, maybe. Okay, I've never felt like I've made it. I don't know if I'll ever feel like that. You shouldn't, man. Nobody I, should. Yeah. It's a bad, bad way to look um, at shit. But definitely, I mean, I always try to, like, look back and be, like, where I was a year ago or where I was two years ago to appreciate where I'm at now. Um, but at the same time, th this is a, it's a very weird, strange uh, industry to be a part of. There's, there's re really no stability. So like to, to have that comfortability is really difficult. And uh, it's really just a, a constant grind to be better than what you were, to be more valuable than what you were. Because 
if you're if you're fortunate to be put in the position that I am, to where I get to work with big artists that are signed to record labels, uh, you you need to understand that the level of competition is is getting it's getting huge. It's not like uh, I'm the only engineer they know now. Like their their labels can put them with really good engineers. So mm-hmm. it's a constant fire to make sure you keep up and keep going because once that one payment happens, it's done. Like then you have to get the next one. So no, I don't think I've made it. And I don't I don't know if I ever feel like that, but at the same time, it, 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 I am, I'm just super fortunate and super grateful to be able to wake up every day and to do this mm-hmm. and, and know that uh, I bring value to, to some artists and bring value to the, the game that I'm in right now. That's, That's awesome, man. Um, yeah. How do you like, kind of map out your day like, from the time you wake up till the end of the day? Like, what do you do? So, so I, I like to work early and I like to create late mm-hmm. is what I would say. So a lot of times when I wake up, I, w- I would probably knock out some mixes, handle some emails, bug record labels and asking where the payment is <laughs> uh, is that daily yeah i oh, I, I mean there's there's just money floating out there that you just gotta remember that it's everybody out there. says that everybody talks about that shit money yeah, floating out there and it's the, really tough and then the when they start chemistry. paying you the back end but they won't give you the front end until this is turned in um i mean do you have like deliverables that are due are you familiar with like deliverables how that works uh, with like a, a mix, bit, like, but... so like you have to send like mix stems, dry stems, a reference mix, a clean version, a TV version, an acapella version, instrumental, um, and all these have to be in a certain file format. And like on Pro Tools, to bounce mix stems, you have to solo every track. So if you have 50, 60 tracks in a project, you have to solo one, bounce, solo the next, bounce. In the Pro it, version, you don't have to do that apparently. I was thinking. I like saw that, that, but I, I I still don't know because like the way that I route with the buses, my mm-hmm. mix bus and whatnot, might not I, work. I like still that. don't think it would work that well. Um, but I I feel like somebody needs to make a bot. I've said this before because all it is is solo it be bounce. That hard. That's a pretty. Someone can do that. You'd so, be surprised. So next, if anybody out there is listening right now, <laughs> that's smart. Please as fuck. <laughs> make this bot because if I could just hit enter and it just solo bounces every track on its own, which isn't a hard task for it to do. Um, that would be life changing. We, we, we know some smart programmers, man. What we've learned is there's programmers that can do shit like shit like that, fucking without even blinking. I love it. I'm so happy I came here because I'm like that would save my life. <laughs> uh, but no, like that that's the kind of stuff. Like in order to get paid, like they won't pay you until you get that stuff done. And they're very picky on how it's done. Like if if the dry stems aren't the exact same length as every mix stem, you have to redo it and, and do it again. So yeah, it, it's. It's a difficult, so a lot of my, like, that's part of my work day is, like, making sure stuff's taken care of, people have the right files, the right type of files. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I have a manager that will, like, handle, like, uh, splits, and I have to sign certain uh, producer agreements, and then you have the lawyer, and then you have to, like, make sure they're getting paid the right percentage. There, there's a lot of, like, busy work that comes with it, too, when, when you're dealing with the industry stuff, because it's... It's way more legit. I mean, you have to, like, you're dealing with real record companies that are distributing product that you have a piece in. So, like, you have to make sure you're getting your piece. And then uh, towards, like, the... I might do a session with an artist, like, between, like, 3 to 9 p.m. And then I tap out around, like, 9 or 10 p.m. and just do nothing. I'll do nothing or make a beat where I'm just, like... I'll just smoke and mess around with shit until like it sounds cool or make a loop or make a drum pattern. But I can't sit here and be like, I wake up, I, I start work at 11, I go till nine. A lot of my work, and I'm sure you guys feel this too, mm-hmm. is like you work for a little bit, take a little breather, 
go do something, come yeah, back. Yeah. It's super on and off type work, which is awesome. It's really great. And you don't have to listen to anybody. You can go to the bathroom whenever you want. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's a good life to live. But uh, at the same time, like, like, there's no salary. There's no guarantee in any of this. So you have to keep your head on straight. Do you, th- do you think it's a bit cutthroat in terms of how people, like, everybody hunts for that slice of pie and fights for it in the music industry? It's, it's cutthroat if you surround your people, if you surround yourself with people that are trying to cut your throat. <laughs> like, it's, you have to be with the right people, people that really want everybody to win, people that really want to see you succeed. There are people that uh, would like to take credit for a lot of things that are very, uh, like, they, they, they're like, they told the dude to do this, or like, they linked up this guy with this guy. Like, that is a real thing, where it's like, well, I'm the one who, like, introduced those artists. So when they have that session, like, I should get a cut of that. Yeah. That is real. That's and that's really weird. It's that's really crazy. That's the most silly thing I've ever heard. Anybody yeah, but a lot, of those people, a lot of those people aren't making any music. They're just, like, working at a record label or trying to get, get up or just have something to be hype on. I feel like being like that in the first place, though, doesn't let you go as far. The way we see it is, like, dude, I would, I would much rather, like, the reason why we fly people out here and front the cost and do all that shit, I would much rather bring the value up front and just be that guy that did link up that relationship and didn't ask for anything. Because yeah. you get so much in return. Yeah, in like, the I future. Think rather than a short-term transaction, you get long-term. I, that's, how, that's how a lot of people think. That's exactly how I think. I have a lot of things that I've done that I could like technically get points for, mm-hmm. but I just believe that will come back around yeah. in, in the long run. And honestly, like, a lot of that stuff already has, and I've been very fortunate for that, but that mentality, and that, that's the type of stuff that like people will keep wanting to be around you, people wanting to keep mm-hmm. work with you, working with you, knowing that you're not going to try to cutthroat them. You're not going to try to... Like, every single... Every yeah, quarter. like just like, as long as you like let them know like, it's all love, I'm doing this because I care about you, Like I want you to do well. Mm-hmm. Like, whether it's them that re- rewards you or somebody else is going to do the same thing for you in the future. So just keep putting out that energy because that, that is so important in this industry. And there's a lot of, like, not very friendly people, uh, not, like, the nicest industry in the world. But I think people really appreciate and hold on to the people that are, are really genuine all across the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Drew, do you want to start the uh, Spotify run? Yeah, but we should do a giveaway first, and then yeah. and we got oh, what are we giving away? We just usually give away like gift cards. Yeah, uh, to what? Sometimes just to our Applebee's site, <laughs> and then sometimes we do like we have this a bunch of equipment in that closet over there. So yeah. sometimes we'll. What do you got? Let me get something. Oh, dude, <laughs> no, we got a fucking we got a whole fucking closet <laughs> yeah. full of fun fun co- stuff over there. Yeah, so we'll do uh, we'll start the giveaway. We'll give you a plug, and then what we do is we switch to an audio only portion, and okay. that's pretty much you gotta go listen on SoundCloud or Spotify or Apple. Uh, podcast app to go check out the rest of the show. Um, cool. So uh, for you guys to uh, enter the contest, first off, we'll just say all you got to do is um, uh, all you got to do is drop a comment of the favorite spot in this episode. Uh, you know, and timestamps definitely help, and you'll have a chance to win. There's a lot of fucking sauce in this one, just pure. Oh, so yeah. so <laughs> they they go hunt out the sauce, and then we find it also for videos, and then we put up the videos because they said the shit that's good. Wow. So so we're able to cut out the good good parts from that. They help Uh, us out. They're like editing it for you. Yeah. For the the (laughs) little micro clips. Yeah, definitely. And and do you want to go ahead? I just want you to plug where people should find you. Where should they go follow you? Check out your stuff. Sure. Uh, You can follow me uh, on Instagram at Neek, N-E-E-K. My website is neekattack.com. On there, I have vocal chains and some recording templates for Pro Tools, uh, mainly using Wave plugins. Uh, And then I also have some Logic uh, templates up there as well. Feel free to cop those. I have some videos on my YouTube, just 
quick mixing, a lot about like what we did today in the workshop, just quick mixing videos, how I go about mastering, stuff like that. Uh, all that's on my website, nikatech.com. Um, and I also wanted to shout out you guys so much. Thank, uh, you, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. This is a really dope podcast and really love what you guys are doing. And it means a lot to the community and any aspiring kid in their bedroom that's really want to like get good at this stuff and feel like it's not as intimidating as it really is. It's really just about being working hard, uh, working hard and educating yourself in the right ways and just acknowledging that what we're doing here is art. There's no right and wrong. And I know you guys do a lot of really good in that. So thank you for that. Yeah. And thank you again for letting me be a part of appreciate this. It, man. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Real quick, do you do like mixing services online still? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, um, I'm a little more selective now mm -hmm. of like what I do. But uh, if you send me the record and we'll talk pricing and whatnot. But yeah, I definitely am still open to do mixing. So just clients. in case anybody yeah. is asking. Pretty much he said you got you to gotta have some deep pockets. <laughs> and also you got to have some good music. <laughs> like good probably. music. Good music. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I got some people that I mix for nothing right now because I, I really, mm -hmm. I believe in them. I believe in their music and they seem like some really good people. So that's awesome. Oh, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, we shall start the Spotify version now. Okay, we might as well just start with more plugin stuff. Uh, what about like f favorite Pro Tools specific plugins? Because I I'm brand new to Pro Tools, so I want to hear the sauce. Pro Tools specific plugins. Dverb is a great reverb that they have. Um, one thing about Pro Tools, I think we've talked about this before, was uh, like the the whole ability of Audio Suite, mm -hmm. where you're able to just print effects instantly to the audio. So they have stuff like Verify, which is like slow down, speed up, with like a tape stop um, thing, which is really good for cutting beats. Mm -hmm. I use uh, that a lot. Um, and then the Trim plugin, I know it's super simple, but Trim plugin is just a good way for game staging. And I really don't use a lot of Pro Tools. I really don't use a lot of Pro Tools. I was Tools just plugins. curious. What about, what about just good, uh, some tips for like mixing or maybe comping even in Pro Tools? <laughs> Comping in Pro Tools is terrible, even if you're good at Reed it. Reed loves it. It's so Ew. funny, man. He no. loves it, bro. He, him and Karen he, love it. He must have never comped in Logic before. I've never done it. I've never if, really If you've comped Logic in Logic, much. it is the best place to comp vocals. Uh, so here's my tips for comp comping in Pro Tools. In my template, I have just a tracking track, one track, and I record everything on that track. And I normally playlist every take, even if it's like a bum take. There might be like one word that the auto-tune hit perfect, and I might mm -hmm. need that later. So I'll playlist everything. I think it's like, sh I don't even know. I just do it in my head. Yeah, I know. That's you how know what I mean? like, about like fucking... shift, command, like backslash, I think. <laughs> but if I just had a keyboard in front There's of me, I could so tell you. There's so many Pro Tools. Yeah. Um, the shortcuts, I mean. And I'll playlist everything. And then I have like six blank tracks routed to a lead vocal bus. Um, and I have like my all-star tracks and then I have my MVP track. And so if there was a really good take, I'm not only playlist, playlist it, but I'll drag it down to one of those blank audio tracks as well to a point where when we get four or five good takes, I just have four or five audio tracks with good takes on them. And then I would just command M, which mutes them in uh, Pro Tools. I'll just command M and, and go through which one, like what parts are good and do it kind of line by line. So like out of the five takes, I'll just play the first line of that one, go down, next line, go down, next line. Um, and for me, that's been the best way to go about it. And if you still don't have anything, you can dive into that playlist folder and see if that has what you need. But for the most part, I, I try to just get between three to five good full takes and make sure I, I put those off to the side. Mm -hmm. And then I'll comp on one track out of those five, which would yeah. be like my MVP track. MVP, like the master comp track. 
What uh? What advice? I mean, because I think you fucking killed it with this. Because um, I think you did a good job. But like in college, what advice do you have somebody who has to go through college but wants to start a career in the music industry? Because I feel like you were hustling. You know what I'm saying? Not just. Yeah. Um, one college is an amazing place to network because you have people from everywhere. Like, it's not just like if you go to a big university, like I went to a pretty big university that was like known to be cheaper than most uh, schools in state tuition. Mm -hmm. So people from like New York, New Jersey, DC would all come to West Virginia university because one, it was a big ass party school. And two, the tuition was very affordable. So networking, get to meet people in your class. Pretty much every college kid knows somebody that is making music. Like at this point, like every kid is either trying to make beats or do something. So it is like the prime place. And it's like the audience to the music industry, like college kids and like high school kids are what really drive, like are most of the fans, like a lot of people buying records and whatnot, mm -hmm. going to shows, blah, blah, blah. Um, that's a huge audience. Get tapped in with them and try to be like a little active. Like if you hear about somebody rapping or doing this, like reach out, show love and, and let them know that like you're another like-minded person there with them. Like I was able to build a, a collection of, of friends and homies that were not that were had nothing to do with any of the friends I grew up with. Like these are all like friends I made in college specifically because we all were like-minded and wanted to make music. And I'm sure that is existing in most colleges around the US. And even if you don't go to college, but you want to do this, move to a college town where there is a, a, a lively, youthful energy going on there. Because like I said, I'm sure most of those people know somebody that's making music, mm -hmm. um, has some sort of connection, and it's just a good place. And it's like not having to take that risk. Like, I'm going to move to LA. I'm going to move to this. Like, if you're, in a if you're like an hour out from like a pretty popping college town, move to that college town first. That's interesting, man. Yeah. I've never heard that advice before. Daniel kind of did that too from Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, he was talking yeah, about yeah. using his college to his advantage as well mm -hmm. through the network and stuff. For sure. And, and, and it's just like... All, all those kids, like, not all those kids, but the people that really, like, give a fuck about music and whatnot, like, they get excited for that kind of stuff. And, uh, like, a lot of people thought what I did was cool, but no one really knew what I did. Like, even when you would explain mixing or mm -hmm. engineering to people, they still don't know. Like, mm -hmm. when you, like, you try to break it down to them. But they just think it's cool you do music. I mean, I'm pretty sure, like, half the people from my college probably still think I make beats, which I do now. But I, I never did for, like, <laughs> they ask, until, like, the past, like, They year. still ask us. Like, if I tell somebody what I'm doing, they're like, oh, you make beats. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I guess you can. <laughs> Not really, but. I think my parents will forever. I think that was half the reason I wanted to become a producer. So my dad can just be like, yeah, he makes beats, and it actually be true. Yeah, because like growing up, like doing engineering, I'd always like get on my dad. I'm like, I don't make beats, Dad. <laughs> were, your were your parents supportive? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, they were little. They were they were always like good vibes, but I don't think they ever really believed that it would actually be a, a, a money making career until I graduated college early. I graduated in like three and a half years. I took like su like summer classes because I was like, yo, I want to move to LA. Mm -hmm. Because my junior year, I went to L.A. for my spring break. Like, all my friends went to, like, Panama or whatever. I went to L.A. and, like, met up with some homies that I knew out here that were doing this. And it was like, I need to be doing this. So uh, I, that was, like, spring break, March. That summer, I took summer classes. I graduated in December. And then I was still living in, in that same house from January to March when I eventually drove across country with Arizona to L.A. Mm -hmm. So that's when I think when they when when I came back from that spring break trip and I and I told them I was like yo this is really what I'm gonna do they were they were super super supportive about it but that whole like six years of me doing it beforehand they they really didn't know what the hell I was doing didn't really think it was gonna be anything kind of probably thought 
uh, he's just like a kid being a kid, wanting to make music with his buddies. But uh, I, I was able to quit my job as a waiter. Like by the end of my sophomore year of college, I was like a waiter at an Italian restaurant. And I definitely was making more there because I was like the only nice restaurant in the college town. Mm-hmm. And it was actually, you, you could really cash out, but it was, it was not fun. But yeah, so I quit that and then I started building up the clientele when I was like focused fully on, because I, at that point I was like schoolwork, job at the restaurant, music. Mm-hmm. So when I took the job out, I was able to do school and music and, and I was able to put twice as much into the music, so. Yeah. Sweet, you're man. Do, you wanna, we might as well wrap it up because I got to pee. I got to pee, I got, too. I got and one it's, question. It's already, I, I, yeah. I, I got it. So. Yeah, last one? Yeah. All right. Uh, alternate universe. All right, you got your mixing skills. Um, you got a laptop. Obviously, you got like 500 bucks, I say. The next 30 days, nobody knows your name. What is your next steps towards getting your, get, like, what are you doing for the next 30 days to, like, get back into the industry? So, Okay. Alternate no universe. brand, no, no brand or no nothing. But you got your skills. But you got your skills. Um, I am finding low-key artists on like Elevator or SoundCloud, um, YouTube channels, and mixing for free. I'm mixing songs for free for these people that I think are talented and good at what they do, um, knowing that I have the potential to be their go-to guy in the future. Because if you're the dude that was there when they didn't have any, anything, they couldn't really pay you, but you were giving them a product that really helped them progress their sound, that is something that's going to pay off in the long run. Um, I, I wouldn't really, I wouldn't pay to mix for people, but just a lot of people have no problem with free mixing because a lot of them don't really care about the mixing to begin with. So if you can bring value to them by uh, showing them how good their stuff can be, that can bring you money in, in the long run and get you those credits because once those people start blowing up, it's going to be, who mixed that, bro? And it's like, oh, my homie Neek mixed it. And mm-hmm. then you start getting like their homies that come in. That was another big thing for me in college too. Like I'd mix one song that'd get on a YouTube channel that'd get 100,000 or views and then like other artists would ask that artist who mixed their stuff because a lot of people are doing it on their own mm-hmm. and they really don't know what they're doing. So if you're someone that knows what you're doing and that's all you want to do, do it for them and, and bring value to as many people as you can. 